0: this is the educated home buyer everything you need to know to buy right borrow smart and build wealth through real estate ownership when going through the home buying process you often think of down payment and closing costs being the two major things that you're going to have to pay for when buying a house and as somebody that's been doing this 20 years and someone that just went through the home buying process, there are often costs involved that you don't really think about. So in today's episode, we're gonna be talking about the true cost of buying a house and it the idea of additional things coming up through the process, things that you need to consider as a first time home buyer when going through that process. So Josh, the true
1: cost of home ownership, what comes to mind? What comes to mind to me is that I am amazed that most loan programs, Fannie, Freddie, FHA, VA will allow you to use every nickel you have at closing. But so between your down payment and closing costs, which are the two we're going to kick it off with, if you have not one nickel left to your name, for the most part, they're not going to require reserves- house. They're not going to require anything post-closing, and occasionally, once or twice a year, I will have a client who appears to be in that situation, and it scares me, puckers me a little bit. I'm not super comfortable with it, so that's really what we're going to talk about today. Beyond those things, beyond the obvious that everyone knows and is aware of, what do you need to be aware of so you don't get a shock post-closing, so you don't go from an 800 credit score and no credit card debt to a lower credit score and much higher credit card debt because you didn't uh, have funds saved and allocated for these things. And and we're going to go through it. There are some strategies, Jeb, for minimizing these. These all can be very high-end costs. They can all be minimal to nothing, depending on how you handle them.
0: No, and we laugh a little bit when we say using every nickel to buy a home because I wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. I think the greater majority of people out there wouldn't do that. But there are people that are really looking to put everything they have down to get into a home. In fact, we often have people reaching out saying, hey, are there any programs where I don't have to put a down payment, where there are no closing costs and I can buy a home? And the reason people often are thinking along those lines is because they just don't have the funds to do it, in which case you probably shouldn't be buying a home, but that's a conversation for another time. So Josh, the one thing that often comes up and probably the biggest piece here where the most money is going to go towards is down payment. So Let's talk about the idea of down payment. And we're going to be talking about closing costs. We're going to be talking about insurance. We're going to be talking about a lot of things here, but we're going to start it off with closing costs.
1: Absolutely. So this rather. one's, this. the down payment is super easy for people to understand. For the most part, other than VA and USDA, a down payment is going to be required. With VA and USDA, you can do zero down. You might be able to get down payment assistance, but on a down payment assistance program, you still have a down payment. You have someone else coming up with that money. Other than VA and USDA, there aren't really zero down programs available. There are a handful around the country, incredibly niche. Most people aren't eligible or don't qualify. So let's look at FHA and conventional, the most common options, minimum down for someone wanting to buy. So conventional up to the new loan limits for 2024, $766,550. You can do 3% down. FHA, 3.5% down. Other than borrowers who either qualify for the Home Ready and or Home Possible programs through Fannie and Freddie, or someone that has 800 credit score, FHA usually ends up with a lower monthly payment. So 3 to 3.5% down minimum. If you go above the 766,550 loan amount on a conventional loan, you're looking at a minimum of 5% down. But as we've seen, Jeb, Prices are high, rates are high, affordability is low. So from 2021, if we look, the average down payment was 14%. And that's split from move up buyers who are probably averaging 25 to 30% down, and first time buyers who are averaging 5 to 7% down. Well, that number has gone up to 21 percent for 2023 because we have less of the first-time buyers more of the move-up buyers and even the first-time buyers are skewing more towards those folks that maybe have 10 percent down just because of affordability being such a big issue something jeb that you and i talk about here a lot people will often ask okay i want to do five percent i could do ten percent i need the payment lower how much lower is my payment if i put an additional five percent down most people are shocked at how little a chunk of down payment makes a difference. For the most part, with rates where they are right now, if you put an additional $50,000 down, it's a $350 difference in the monthly payment. So people are expecting, hey, I've, I could put an extra 10 down. If I need to, to get that payment down, what is it going to do for me? You have $70. And most people will say, hey, I'd rather have... 10 grand in the bank than the $70 savings on the monthly payment. So that one Jeb is, is pretty straightforward for people. They know, they have an idea of what their options are and it's a percentage. Hey, I'm looking in this price range. This is my percentage down. That's how much I need. The closing costs vary a little bit. So when we think in terms of closing costs, there's two groups there. There's the non-recurring closing costs and the simple way to think about this, there are things that are just related to purchasing the home and financing it. They're never going to come up again. Then we have non-recurring closing costs, which you may have heard called prepaids, prepaid expenses. That includes your first year's insurance premium. It includes some prepaid taxes. It includes establishing your impounds. If you're going to impound for taxes and insurance, meaning having your lender pay those for you, those get collected at closing. So what we like to tell people, everyone always wants to know, what's the rule of thumb? And they'll ask us that on the live show. We have no idea where they are in the country. So 2 to 5%. That's a pretty big range, but Mm 2% is about as as cheap as you're gonna get out of it. And that breaks down to about 1% for closing costs, 1% for prepaid items. If you're in a high closing cost area, an area that has taxes to the buyer for purchasing, high recording taxes and attorney state where we have a bunch of stuff, it could go as high as 5%. Mm -hmm. For most people, probably going to be in that 25 to 3.5% range. And that doesn't account for any points. The low end of that range doesn't account for any discount points. It's been more common the last year and a half as rates have gone higher to pay points. But when we say 2%, you're really looking at no discount points, no origination fee, just loan costs, escrow, title, appraisal, that stuff, and then your prepaids to get your insurance premium and your taxes and all that stuff set up at at closing. That's really the best way to look at it. You're looking at a minimum 3% down, minimum 2% in terms of closing costs. There are options to get help with that. Your lender and your realtor can walk you through that. You can get a lender credit. You're gonna pay a higher interest rate, but the lender can cover some of those costs for you. Jeb, from your side, if you're in the right kind of market where it's a little bit softer, you may be able to negotiate with the right uh, offer price to get the seller to pay some of those. So there are options to get that down. So you can truly get in with zero. You are not required to pay any of those, but someone is going to pay those on your behalf or you're going to pay them. Yeah. And some other things to consider is depending
0: on what type of year you're closing, if you're deciding to impound your taxes and insurance and make them part of your monthly payment, you're going to pay more Upfront to do that because of how that impound schedule works. So, something to keep in mind there. And in addition to that, Josh, we got some changes happening right now in the real estate industry that could impact this number in a considerable way. At the moment, for most states out there, the commissions paid to the buyer's agent in order to help a buyer find a property are paid by the sellers and the selling agent on that property. It's a commission that's negotiated when that listing is is originally taken and it's divided in some fashion to start with. And and therefore a buyer isn't typically paying any fees to have a buyer's agent represent them. Well, we know what's happened over the last couple of months here is there has been a, a case out there ruled in favor of sellers. And basically it's going to change the way this is done. At the moment, we don't really know. If um, it's
1: upheld on appeal, it correct. could change the way things are done, and that will be years into the future.
0: Yeah, but it's going to change things in in a way that buyers are probably going to have to pay some portion of a fee or something going forward in some areas now all states may not do this all sellers may not require the buyers to do it but it is going to change things and that could change that cost so instead of going down a rabbit's hole there that's something to keep in mind now josh you mentioned down payment we mentioned closing costs you know i know a lot of listeners out there listen to the podcast watch us on youtube really have no idea where to start when it's talking to a lender talking to a real estate agent and is you know combined experience here 40 plus years in the business we actually created a referral link that's in the description below that will get you in touch with somebody we know like and trust that can guide you through that process whether it's a real estate agent or a mortgage professional anywhere in the united states so if it's here on the west coast it's probably going to be josh that you're talking to if it's another state out there it's going to be one of our our professionals in that state but these are all people that we know and can guide you through that process so if you need somebody Check that link below. So, Josh, we've talked about closing costs. We've talked about down payment. Another big one right now that is making headlines is insurance. Insurance has changed considerably over the last 12 to 18 months in a lot of states out there. A lot of these states ha- are prone to natural disasters, Florida being one of them, California to some regard with wildfires. But on top just, of that... I just got back from Hawaii. Hawaii
1: had the terrible wildfire. Yeah.
0: Think of all of those things happening And so these insurance companies are having to jack premiums up in order to cover a lot of these expenses. And and on top of that, like here in California, I know that insurance companies have been regulated for the better part of five years where they've been really not able to raise fees in order to cover actual premiums. A lot of these companies are losing money in states like California because of where they've been required to keep premiums at. And that's just changed. And so these companies are jacking up premiums In addition to companies just leaving the state of California um, and some of these other areas, which means less opportunity to find insurance out there, which means the insurance companies that you're dealing with a lot of times can charge more because they're not having to compete with the guy next door. So, Josh, why don't we talk about insurance a little bit, what you
1: can do, if anything, in order to help control that cost? Well, just think, Jeb, also in terms of the natural disaster, the lack of competition when insurers leave states, which we're seeing in multiple states, not just in California, just the overall effect of inflation. We all know how inflation has affected us. I went to Five Guys, Jeb, last Thursday for a double cheeseburger, fries, and a drink, I paid $30. So we know what that looks like, but that looks the same for insurers. When they look at a replacement cost for your property, both materials and labor are significantly more expensive. So when they do have a claim, those claims are larger, so they're having to charge higher premiums. Now that component of it is maybe adding 20, 30, $50 to your monthly premium. So it's not a huge number in the scope of buying a home and looking at your monthly payment, but it is something to be aware of. The fire stuff, the flood stuff, the natural disaster, if you're in a a hurricane area, it can be a big difference. Jeb, I have a client here that they were looking in areas that were fire hazard areas and Mm -hmm. they had to continue looking because the first house that they wanted to make an offer on their homeowner's insurance would be $400 a month. doesn't work. Like they don't qualify. They go from, hey, we're well qualified to we do not qualify with a $400 monthly insurance. So they had to buy a different home in a different area. So checking with your lender on the front end, making sure your realtor is in the loop on that. If you are in one of these natural disaster areas, shopping, it's not as simple like everyone likes to go to their auto insurer. Hey, I don't own a home, but I have auto insurance and I know I get a discount on the bundle. I'm going to call them up some of without naming anyone names here and getting ourselves in trouble on a national podcast some of the biggest auto insurers are terrible to deal with for us on the insurance side they're difficult to get a hold of to get what we need and their premiums are high for you so it is important that you're dealing with a reputable well-rated insurance company you don't want the lowest premium and then you have a terrible time if and when you ever have a claim but Really, beyond shopping policies and making sure you're getting two, three quotes on it, what are your thoughts on how clients can control that?
0: Well, I think one thing you need to do or or have to be fully aware of is the idea of doing some of the stuff on the front end, like front-loading some of this work before you get into the process of actually going under contract. And prior to the last couple of years, it's never really been a concern. It's always like, hey, find your house. And then you can figure out some of these alternative costs or some of these additional costs that are going to come up. But now, in some of these states, the cost is astronomical. So you almost have to get an idea of what you're going to be paying up front so that you can factor it into your budget just to make sure you're not getting yourself in a position where you're over your head. And on top of that, Josh, what I would do is I, I typically deal with a broker, a lot like you, but on the insurance side. So I deal with a broker who has access to the, the major companies out there that we all know, but they also have access to some of the smaller insurance companies that write policies under a bigger insurer's name and just like some smaller brand. And so what I found was when my insurance guy, I talked to him this year, I called him to get an insurance quote for a new house. And he basically said, hey, look, your current insurer that you have right now is gonna be dropping you at the end of the year anyway, because they're no longer doing policies in California. And then he mentioned some other insurers that he would normally go to, but said, hey, they're not writing insurance. Well, come to find out he was wrong on both of those because my current insurer that I had on the previous house sent me a new quote showing me what the new policy would be. And it actually went up a little bit, but not anything crazy. And then the insurance company he mentioned that wasn't writing insurance at all anymore in California, I called another broker and they were able to do it through that insurance company. He was getting information from his side that said they couldn't do it. Well, I ended up getting a policy through that insurance company and it was quite a bit less than what he was quoting me on his side. So I would say i am always been very loyal to people who have done my insurance in the past, but it's worth calling around and just, it's not always about the lowest rate. I get it, but on an insurance side, when the premium is exactly the same across the board, I'm going with the lower cost in that instance because- the the policy doesn't change so just do your homework and and make sure and again i would recommend doing it prior to maybe getting fully involved in the process just so you have some time to work around if you need to do it
1: following up on that jeb the first three things we've talked about down payment closing costs insurance all three include variables options unknowns Mm -hmm. So don't go look at a house. Do not look at a house. Don't walk into an open house until you've talked with a professional who can guide you and walk you through that so that you know where you're at and you're yeah, comfortable you with know. that. Because everything that we're going through from here on, they're more known, less variable and things that you can control or have options to get a low, no cost. So- but also less thought about,
0: I mean, honestly,
1: more yeah. known, but less thought about in
0: the overall scheme of how they affect your budget.
1: So let's start with that, Jeb. The the rest of the stuff we're going to talk about really falls more on the real estate side. So that's your area of expertise, but especially your area of expertise, having just gone through this, you moved and your move was not a big one. You literally moved from one side of development to the other. So as far as most of these costs go, they're as minimal as could be, as known as could be, but definitely had some things. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about the experience with the HOA dues? So you've been there a long time. You were a board member. You know what they have been, and you know now that there's going to be an increase to those dues. Yeah, so I've had a
0: couple of HOA issues over the last couple of months. Issues, I say, and not really an issue. One with myself and one with a client that we recently closed where HOA dues went up. And so you have to understand when you're in an association that has amenities, that has costs with landscaping and just different things that over time, costs are going to go up, right? So we talk about inflation all the time on the other channel and on the lives. And while inflation is moderated, prices remain high. And so a lot of these service providers that do work in these communities now charge more fees. And in order for your budget essentially to stay in line, the HOA has to start charging more money to pay for that. Well, the association that I'm in just jacked dues up 11%. And so this was prior. so I closed in November. The budget wasn't out for 2024 yet. The minutes weren't out for 2024 yet. So there was nothing that I could have read into that would have told me, hey, this is going to go up 10, almost 11% year over year without having guessed it a little bit. I I figured HOA dues were going up. I didn't think they would go up 11%. Now, the big scheme of things, it's not a lot of money, but it is if your budget is super tight, if you're in an instance where the payment you were just scraping by to start with, and then you didn't factor in this increase in an uncontrollable expense. I mean, it's, it's not something you can control otherwise, unless you just don't buy in an HOA. The other instance was a, a client. I might've mentioned it on the podcast at some point where they had a special assessment the day before they were supposed to close. I got a letter from the agent on the other side said, Hey, my client received this in the mail. And it shows that, I think it was, I don't remember, five, was it $5,000? $5, yeah, $5,000 special assessment. Not spread out over a period of time. It was $5,000 you need to pay. And fortunately, it was the day before closing. So therefore, it was a change in circumstance of the contract. We were able to go back to the other side and say, hey, listen, I know we've released contingencies. I know we've done all of that. But this changes everything. And we're not really in a position to close until you remedy this situation. And therefore the seller on that side paid that five grand. But had that letter came out literally 24, 48 hours later, that would have been on the buyer to have to come up with that money or the new owner. in that instance, these are things that you need to think about. That's why going through HOA docs is important. Looking at reserves, looking at the minutes, because the minutes tell you what the community is talking about. And just all of these things. And while we had an idea that an assessment was coming, we actually thought it was a little bit less based off a study that they did earlier in that year that showed that they were probably gonna raise it about 2,500. Well, they went up and did 5,000. So either way, we had an idea. We just didn't realize the magnitude of it. And these are all things that you have to factor into that process, Josh.
1: And it's not uncommon, Jeb. You and I were just talking yeah. the property I inherited from my dad. They had a poor board performance, poor management for a period of time. So those HOA dues, it's what, three miles, two miles from your place? Not even comparable. The values are a third of what the values are in yours. The amenities are a third of what there are in yours. But our dues are the same. And they had consistently been going up. We got a new board in. They did a new reserve study. They did some things, and they got everything caught up. So last year, we actually had a reduction down to $475 a month. Well, just got a notification that we're going to be going up. So it is important to dig into those things. And I, I think many agents and their buyers don't do as much due diligence on that end as they should. And people are listening to this going,
0: $475 in HOA eighties and it's going up. Like, what are you talking about? So yeah. realize it's all relative based on area, based on amenities based on what the HOA covers. So not all HOAs are created equal, if you will. So just- hey, Jeff, my place
1: that. in Rancho Mirage is, is $750 a month yeah. and that's low out there. Some of them are 1100 1200 And oh, if you're absolutely. in a high I mean, rise, just... some of these high rises are two, $3,000 a month. Absolutely,
0: yeah. No, it's wild. Some of these high rises in Miami, the cost to live in South Florida to manage that building with insurance costs going up and natural disasters happening or potential natural disasters like hurricanes. Yeah you're going to pay more and you need to factor that in. The true cost of buying a home isn't just that down payment and closing costs. It goes beyond that. Even into things like moving costs, Josh, this is something. Tell I, us
1: about your experience with moving costs.
0: Yeah. So I think most people are aware that they got to pay for movers. I was, I was in a community and I, I really moved honestly about 250 meters. I mean, it's not far at all. Did you move um, to Europe? Fact, I walked I walked just, some of you my just stuff. Went, You
1: just went metric on us, Jeff. Did you move to Europe?
0: <laughs> I run and sometimes we measure in okay. meters. And okay. so that's what came up in my head. Got it. But, but no, I, I'm going to the metric system. In all reality, I mean, these are things I factored in, but then you start going and you go, I need boxes. I need tape. I need zip ties. All of these things that are like not a, a big thing, but you realize you just keep buying them. And then you run through boxes and you buy more. And then, you know, all said and done, we probably spent between packing tape, boxes. I would say probably close to three, four hundred bucks, maybe even more, because some of the stuff we bought, like industrial type, I mean, like a mover would actually use it once my mother in law got involved and, and started buying things. And then I got a pod on my driveway to load things into just because I didn't want to have to deal with it all on moving day. I figured I'd pack the pod over a week, then I would get movers to move the big stuff. And then I could have the movers move the big stuff and unpack the pod, which is exactly what we did. But these are all things that are factored into the cost of moving. Things that, yeah, you can get your buddies and go rent a U-Haul truck and do all of that. I'm not saying I'm above that. I'm above that, Josh. So this is I, I know, made a promise one to one. myself once I graduated college. I'm not helping people move anymore, and I I'm have not done not a couple of people times. And but... I'm
1: not. I'm not asking anyone either <laughs> one. Because that yeah. you are. You are correct, but. At the end of the day, you could go to Costco and dumpster dive out the back and get free boxes and move everything yourself in the back of your truck. Scion, whatever you're yep. driving, it can be done for zero. It just depends on anywhere from the spectrum of the the white glove people that walk in and pack up everything for you, you do nothing to you doing everything and scrounging supplies for it, free. So it's just something to be aware of what your plan is and what it may cost.
0: Yeah. And another reminder just to get some of this stuff, these quotes up front, like when you're in that contingency period, when you still have the opportunity to back out of the contract, start getting quotes on what it's going to cost to move, what's it going to cost to rent the U haul. What's it going to cost to rent that pod? Okay, if you're doing it yourself, do you have to take off work? Is, are you losing money because you, you're not working that day? I mean, what's the cost of doing business in that move? And on top of that, Josh, things like utilities, right? I mean, this isn't a big deal in most places, but if you're going from a small apartment to a bigger house, you're likely going to have more utilities. You might have a gas bill now, like some of these associations cover water, sewer, and trash, and now... That might be something that you need to factor in, that you're paying 70, 80 bucks a month in water and trash on top of what you were already paying in another house. And now if this house has air conditioning where your previous house didn't, these are all things that are going to impact the bottom line and things you need to be thinking about. And you can even go as far as internet and TV service, depending on what the association covers and what you have now. Now, we're probably getting a little bit crazy here on some of this stuff, but these are all things that I think people overlook when going through the process. In addition, Josh, of improvements you want to make to the property. I went in, bought a property that was basically turnkey, but I would bet we've probably spent in having people over there so far, $1,500, 2000 in and doing just small things, and and I've done a lot of it myself, but just having people do things that we needed done to accommodate our lifestyle and what we were trying to do with different things. So all of that needs to be factored into the bigger picture.
1: And that's not uncommon. I was telling you, my wife has a friend who's looking at buying a house here in Fountain Valley, 1500 square foot house. And in her words, it is the perfect house for me, it has everything I want. And then she goes on, we're gonna do X, Y, and Z, to be about $3,500. That's real money. I mean, you know, it's not like $350. Sometimes it is. I guess you could find the perfect home, but the reality is most people, Mm -hmm. when they see that perfect home, they still go, while it's empty, before I move in, this is the perfect time to do those little touch-ups, tune-ups, improvements that I would like to do to that property. And and how about this? On, On top of that, Jeb, not just those little things, how did your furnishing needs change when you moved over to the new property?
0: I mean, going back just a moment here, I was talking to somebody in the gym, just bought a house. Guess what? They did painting, scrape the ceilings, drywall, whatever over the last week before they moved in. So this was a cost that wasn't paid by the seller. These are real expenses that they're having to pay in order to do it. So typically there's that sort of thing on top of furniture. We sold our house, bought a bigger home. We left some of the furniture in the house. We sold some of the furniture. So we knew we were gonna be buying furniture in the new house, but then you get in and you start realizing- Mm -hmm hey, I've got multiple couches now. I've got different expenses, different things happening that fortunately we had kind of factored into the budget, but some people aren't thinking about those things when going into it. They're just excited, elated from an emotional side of being able to actually buy a house that they forget. Crap, I've got all of these additional things that I have to factor in. And maybe you're one of those people that says, you know what, I'll just put it on a credit card. Well, Josh, What what are interest rates on credit cards right now? 25% or something, something nuts at the moment. So you can choose to delay the burden, but you're gonna be paying for it long-term if you decide to do that.
1: Yeah, those days of 0% interest offers, hey, we can do it. And if we pay it off in 18 months, we're not going to pay anything are behind us. And this is, again, sometimes we can come across as pessimistic here. We're not being pessimistic. No, we not at all. Optimistic and realistic and just help you understand these are the things that people go through. All of these can be an issue, cannot be an issue, but they are things that you should think through and think how they're going to impact you. So Josh, you
0: said that. I, I think this is a question I'm going to pose your way. All of the things we just said, Some of them are perceived negative because of it being a high cost. So it could look as if, why would I buy a house? This is crazy. Like all of those things you just said make me not even want to own a house. Why is homeownership still that important even when we're talking about the stuff we're talking about right now?
1: So when you look at it, the majority of these you're going to have as a renter. They just may be different. have renter's insurance is homeowner's insurance going to be more expensive yes because it covers the structure are you gonna have to furnish it yes when you get to a point where you own a home you're later in life when you get your first apartment you're happy with whatever couch and bed you can have to rest on and then you might have a nicer apartment with nicer furniture later on and then when you move into a home you you just have higher level of expectations so the the costs can and do increase the biggest thing in terms of this is fixing the actual housing cost. Everything there, except for the mortgage payment, the principal and interest, that's the biggest piece of it. That's 80% or more of this cost. And by fixing it today, we went through these numbers most parts of the country it is more expensive to own that home than to rent a similar home and when you then do that comparison how long does it take until that changes if interest rates do not go down and the homeowner doesn't get a chance to refinance to a lower interest rate it's about 10 years if rates moderate to five to five and a half percent which you and i are of the opinion that they will in the next couple of years that drops to like a five-year break even depending on how soon that happens so we have people regularly want to say "Well, it's." fifteen hundred dollars cheaper for me to rent that is true and correct despite all of these costs here that we're talking about or or when considering all of these costs that we're considering here over a relatively short period of time renting becomes a higher cost and a higher burden and owning becomes cheaper when you look at the average rent payment in the u.s it's much more than the average house payment. And the average house payment doesn't include the 38% or so. Is that the number, Jeb, of Americans that own their home free and clear? I think because it's 40 to 42%, they're... somewhere in there, but yeah. So plus or minus 40% have no payment and they're still looking at these things. If you have an HOA, you have an HOA. You still have to insure the property. You don't have to. You wanna take the risk yourself since there's no mortgage lender any longer. So that's the thing to consider. With ownership, at some point, you get to the point where it's free and clear. That payment is fixed. In the United States, we're one of the countries around the world that has 30-year fixed rates. I was just with a friend in Hawaii. He's from Australia. They don't have that. For three to five years, it's fixed, and then it switches to a variable, and one of the features of housing in the U.S. is that you can get a fixed rate mortgage, fix your cost, and as inflation impacts renters, you are insulated as an owner, and that is why homeowners pay less in monthly payment. Not new homeowners buying today, but homeowners as a group Mm -hmm. pay far less in housing costs than renters.
0: Good stuff. I mean, listen, I bought a house in 2012. I was able to buy the, the the house that I just bought because I did buy that house in 2012. And in 2012, I had to consider all of the things that we've talked about today. And while at the time might've been a little bit overwhelming over time, it's been well worth everything that we quote unquote sacrificed or paid to get there. So long-term real estate is a win, but it's all about buying in the right time in your life, longer term time horizon, having money in the bank. That's what we're talking about here. Not just enough to skate by to get into the house, but having some additional funds, whether you use it on the things that we talked about, or you just use it for savings in general, it's super, super important. But Josh, we're all about buying right, borrowing smart, building wealth. The easiest way to do that is through home ownership and not waiting to buy real estate, but rather buying real estate and waiting. So with that said, Josh, Till next time, Adios.
1: Amigos. Amigos.
0: Thanks for listening to The Educated Home Buyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? Please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyer.com expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube. And make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.